Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local. TelegraphLocal.com. The web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back. Today is 6-17-2020 with your daily news updates with a twist. This is Telegraph Local's podcast, Unredacted. Guys, we have a good show for you today. We're going to go into some quick bits. Number one is Aunt Jemima's rebranding. We're going to talk briefly about the spike in gun sales. And we're also going to talk briefly about Rashad Brimage, a career criminal arrested for shoving an elderly woman on the streets of New York City. We have some big topics for you as well. Topic one today is the Senate Republicans unveil police reform legislation. Businesses shut down in Seattle's protest zone. And we have some words, some real words from the Seattle CHOP organizers. That is the Seattle C-H-O-P, which apparently is the new, uh, new country, obviously, in Seattle. Any of you guys who... Have, uh, have any listening ability at all to the news, know what CHOP is, which was formerly CHAZ, but it's now CHOP. So um, that's kind of where that's at today. But first of all, I was, before I get into the quick bits today, you know, I, I was watching the news this morning and something they were talking about very, it was, was very interesting to me, and I wanted to bring it up to you. There was a, uh, an auto shop owner that was being interviewed this morning on the news. This auto shop owner owns a auto shop in Seattle, uh, right outside of the, the chop area. It's been chopped kind of out of the chop area. So, you know, if, if you were in the chop area and you just chopped outside of it, that is exactly where this auto shop owner's shop was. Well, so someone starts breaking in, they break in and they start a small fire inside. And um, this auto shop owner calls the police. Long story short, the police never respond. He and his son end up extinguishing the small fire and wrestle the burglar to the ground. Then a small group of chopped protesters, uh, chopped to the point, 
and they rescued their heroin uh, burglar from the scene and took him back to CHOP headquarters, where I'm sure he was, he was deposed of his criminal activity. Uh, when it came to the police department's reaction, they, they, they claimed that they, um, they were watching from afar, from afar, which one can only assume is a few blocks away with binoculars, night vision, all kinds of SWAT team stuff. But they never actually went to the shop. The shop owner never physically was able to talk to them. He never even saw them. He didn't see from wherever they were watching from afar. So as of right now, if you're, near, if you're in or near the CHOP zone, there is no police protection for you whatsoever. Not for the citizens, not for the, for the store owners and shop owners, not for, for uh, tourists, if, if anyone is, 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 is curious about um, touring in Seattle right now. There's, there's no protection for you if you're anywhere near um, the CHOP zone. The chop headquarters, and it's kind of sad. But on to on to quick bits, um, and we'll keep this show rolling today for you. Aunt Jemima, the famed pancake syrup queen. I love Aunt Jemima syrup. I was raised on it as a child. I don't really eat pancakes or uh, waffles at this point in my life, but if I did, Aunt Jemima would be the only pancake and waffle syrup I would use, and I'm sure a lot of you feel that way. But Aunt Jemima, Jemima is no more. Aunt Jemima is being rebranded with a new name and a new image. Parent company Quaker Oats has announced because acknowledging that the face of the brand was based on a racial stereotype. And, you know, I gotta be honest with you, man, I don't, I don't disagree with the uh, acknowledgement from Quaker Oats that Aunt Jemima uh, was based on a racial stereotype. It was a heavy set older black lady um, in shabby clothing, and they named their syrup after. Now, I get why they did that, because apparently it was really good syrup, and I, I'm assuming the reason why the picture on the brand was what it was was because the recipe for Aunt Jemima was very old and may have been introduced by slaves who worked in households. I don't know. I can tell you this much. Aunt Jemima syrup is amazing and is good, and even with the rebranding, I hope they don't change the recipe because I got to admit, man, it's good syrup. Uh, she goes on to say, um, and this is the vice president of chief, vice president and chief marketing officer of Quaker Foods North America. We recognize Aunt Jemima origins are based on a racial stereotype. As we work to make progress toward racial equality through several initiatives, we also must take a hard look at our portfolio of brands and ensure they reflect our values and meet our consumers' expectations. And again, I'm not against this. I think that um, as long as you don't change the original, original recipe, Don Jemima, I think go for it. I'm just kind of curious now to what their, their new brand and their new image is going to be with the Aunt Jemima's syrup. I, I, I don't know what you would call a syrup at this day and age. Um, maybe... Maybe it could be Quaker Foods Best Syrup or QF Foods Number One Syrup. Whatever it is, we're going to find out in the next few weeks, few months, as they roll out their rebranding. The 130-year-old breakfast brand's logo features a black woman named Aunt Jemima, who was once dressed as a minstrel character. The logo has evolved over time, with Quaker dropping Aunt Jemima's kerchief in recent years, per NBC News. But again, 130 years of tradition, 
Now the rebranding, oh, I guess I'm wondering, this is going to hurt sales. I'm wondering if people are going to still believe that the brand, the flavor is the same or if they're going to change it. I don't know. We'll find out soon. Um, quick bit number two, Americans happen to be loading up on guns and ammo in the wake of the race protest. There are literally now lines, lines of gun buyers standing sometimes for hours at gun stores to purchase firearms. In fact, nearly 2 million guns were sold in May and June. Think about that. These are record-breaking numbers of guns being sold. And to people who don't want to argue or who want to argue that it's not because of the, of the protest, think again. If you look at numbers pre-January, pre-February, they're nowhere near what they are now. What's the only real thing that happened? People don't buy pistols to go hunting with. They don't hunt with pistols. And the vast majority of these gun sales are handguns and pistols, revolvers. So don't tell me that it's not because of their fear of safety, fear of the reality that the police departments now have their hands tied and they can't be protected or they can't trust that the police officers are going to protect them. And that goes hand in hand with the auto shop owner we talked about a few minutes ago who literally called the police. He said multiple times, and the police never responded. They claimed they responded, but they never showed up. So who knows? Who knows? These sales are obviously out of fear of looting and rioting that has taken the country by storm in the wake of the George Floyd being murdered by police. So we have massive gun sales, massive people exercising their Second Amendment rights. I, I want you to think about that too. Do you think these people are going to vote Democrat or Republican when it comes time to vote in November? I want you to ask yourself a really hard question. Do you really think these millions of people buying guns are going to vote Democrat or Republican? Which aisle do you think they're going to choose when it comes November? And in really, really, really sad news, this was a hard video to watch. I'm sure hopefully most of you have seen this video. It was played on virtually every mainstream news outlet that I remember. Well, not mainstream. I saw it on ABC, NBC. I saw it on Fox. I did not see it, and it may be because I missed it on CNN, on MSNBC, and a couple of the other large ones. But they could have played it. I just maybe have missed it. But a career criminal with more than 100 arrests to his name, 100 arrests, was busted for cruelly shoving a 92-year-old woman into a Manhattan fire hydrant leaving his victim too scared to walk alone in her own neighborhood. The injured elder, a Bronx native named Geraldine, who refused to give her last name and who had been in the air, who has lived in that neighborhood for 50 years, by the way, spoke to the Post on Tuesday after cops arrested convicted, convicted sex offender Rashid Brimage, who is 31, and charged him with attacking her. If you saw this video... The video clip was only a few seconds long, and I wish um, I could show you the video here, but we will have it on telegraphlocal.com, so please make sure you go to telegraphlocal.com and check it out later. If you saw how nonchalant and arrogant this little asshole was, he literally walked by. He was walking down the street. nice, beautiful day, short sleeves. Sun was out. This little old lady was using some type of walker to hold her up, and she was slowly making her way up the sidewalk. She was on the side of the street. He was on the inside of the sidewalk closer to the buildings. He walks past her and just takes his left hand and just shoves her like he's, you know, like he's shoving her out of the way. 
she immediately falls down, nails her head on the hydrant that's right next to her, and he looks back and gives a, gives a sneer and just keeps walking. And I noticed a bicyclist in the frame who saw what happened and stopped about 10 or 15 feet after this incident when he saw what happened. He slowly comes to a stop, and then the, the, the video clip ends, so I don't know what happened after that. I do know that they got this, 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 this uh, dirtbag. I know that he's behind bars now with New York City bail reform laws. I don't know how long he'll stay behind bars. But he is behind bars now and um, charged with attacking her. This is what she said. She said, I thought a brick hit me or something hit me on the left side of my head, and I went right down and hit my head against the hydrant. Geraldine, who asked that her last name be withheld for safety reasons, said the attack said of the attack, blood was coming out, not spurting blood, but blood was dripping. Geraldine, who has lived in Manhattan for more than 50 years, was on her way to Dwayne Reed, which for those of you who are not familiar with with New York City, Dwayne Reed is a drugstore, um, like People's Drugstore, CVS. They're everywhere in in New York City. She was heading to Dwayne Reed when Brimage allegedly shoved her to the ground near 3rd Avenue and East 16th Street in Gramercy Park, which is lower Manhattan, at about 3.30 p.m. on Friday. You know, how many times has this happened where people go, think about before we had videos. Think about the 80s and even the 90s and even the early 2000s to where before videos were, were, were used so widely. You know, you go to New York City now and they have hundreds of thousands of video cameras. You'd be a fool to do anything wrong in New York City because they're going to catch you. They're going to catch you. You're not going to get away with it. Well, that is if they have a police department to catch you. But, you know, you got to dee, you got to dumb. Life goes on with that. It saddens me to think that there's just the arrogance of today's youth, some of today's youth, who are so willing and able to do such disgusting acts. You wonder what happened in their life to make them like that. Like what happened to you in your life to where you think shoving a defenseless over 90-year-old woman down on the ground is something that's acceptable behavior in society. I just, it baffles me that this stuff is allowed to happen. And I hope they throw the books at this, this, this pile of, of shit because he needs it. needs it big time. And I hope this also discourages, although I don't think it will, others from doing this. But this is probably the most disgusting news story of the day. So we have some, some good topics to get into today, guys. Senate Republicans unveil police, or police reform legislation. Businesses shut down the Seattle protest zone, and we hear from some words from the Seattle CHOP organizers. All that and more after this quick commercial break. Guys, sit tight. We will be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, 
Facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. Hey guys, welcome back to Telegraph Locals podcast unredacted. Today is 6-17, hump day. We spent the first 15 or so minutes talking about the quick bits of today's show, which will be now a normal part of the show every single episode, every day of the week. We're going to talk about quick bits and go into our topics. Um, since we've gotten past that fun part of the, uh, of the broadcast, Senate Republicans on Wednesday unveiled their Justice Act which is police reform legislation to hold officers accountable with an enhanced use of force database to pursue restrictions on chokeholds and create new commissions to study law enforcement and race. So the, the, the new act, the Justice Act, is a broad federally regulated guideline of what police departments should be doing. Now, that, that's only federal. Most of the, of the reform and change that needs to happen to police departments has to happen on the state and local levels. Very particular reason being is because the state and local levels are the ones who are really in charge of the police departments themselves. They're in charge of, acting, of enacting legislation well over and above federal legislation in order to make sure they rein in those, those bad cops and get them out of there. And it's important for the listeners to understand, this is not a federal problem. The federal government does not control local police departments. They do not control city police departments, town police departments, county police departments, or state police departments. They control the FBI, the CIA, federal police officers, such as what you may see in Washington, D.C., but they don't control the local and state police officers. This is up solely up to the local legislators in order to do so. So a lot of the problems that you have could have been resolved a long time ago had the local and state leaders jumped in to do this. Senator Tim Scott, the lone African-American GOP senator, that's right, GOP Republican, senator spearheaded the legislation in the wake of the George Floyd death and nationwide protests demanding racial justice, including activist calls to dismantle police departments. He framed the legislation as a bridge between law enforcement and communities of color. So, you know, we, we were talking about on previous shows, who's going to step up to the plate and start doing something here? Something has to be done. This cannot continue. The, the way this country is operating over the last few weeks simply cannot continue. And we're not even talking about the financial crisis from the, the COVID-19 um, fiasco, but we're talking about something entirely new, which is racial unrest between police departments and the African-American community. 
which, by the way, is not just white people. The, the police departments are made up of all races and creeds because that's what America is. We're a country of all races and all creeds. He goes on to say, Senator Scott goes on to say, the answer to the question of which side do you support is, I support America. And if you support America, you support restoring the confidence that communities of color have in institutions of authority. If you support America, that means you know overwhelming number of officers in this nation want to do their job, go home to their family, and be happy. It is not a binary choice. This legislation encompasses that spirit. So what's he saying in that? What he's saying is simple. This is not a white problem. This is not a black problem. This is not an Asian or Hispanic problem. This is a combined American problem because we are all Americans. The frustration here is that certain people want to try to take that reality that we're all Americans and single out what type of American. There's no type of American. Okay, you can't come by and say, okay, well, there's white Americans, there's black Americans, there's Asian Americans, there's Hispanic Americans. All that, although that's true, the reality of it is we still are all Americans. We're still all American citizens. We all belong to the same country. We all go to the same schools. We all utilize the same services in counties and cities. We all go to the same supermarkets. We're all neighbors. And I, I don't think that, that Senator Scott, Republican from South Carolina, could have put that any better. The great words. He framed it perfectly. And I think that it makes beyond sense that if we start thinking like that, this problem in a lot of ways will take care of itself. Scott said that the overwhelming number of police officers in America are good people. But he acknowledged the real fears people of color have about encountering the police. And those fears are real. But they're not real because all cops are bad. They're real, real because there's a small fraction of the over 800,000 police officers and 16,000 agencies or 18,000 police agencies out there, there's a few bad apples. You're talking about 800,000 people. Think about how many bad apples there are in one community. Washington, D.C. has a population of something like 850 or 875,000. Their jails are full. But you're talking about a policing community that's only 800,000 strong, and there's only a very small fraction of those police officers that aren't good police officers. And the thing is, too, like the good police officers know exactly who these police officers are. They know exactly who the bad cops are. And if we can somehow get it to the point to where those police officers don't mind sharing who they think the bad police officers are with their superiors, then just maybe the police department can root itself out, can clean itself up. Scott goes on to say, we hear you. We're listening to your concerns. He also recalls his own driving while black experience of being stopped seven times in one year. And to him, the George Floyd incident certainly accelerated this conversation. 
So even Senator Scott was pulled over seven times in one year. Now, he doesn't go into detail about why, if he was speeding, if he made an improper lane change, if he didn't signal before he exited. He didn't really go into why on that, but the, the, the point is he was pulled over seven times. Now, we can assume that – well, we can assume one of two things. All seven times he was pulled over, which was probably by seven different police officers, was just because he was black or was because maybe Senator Scott wasn't driving properly in some of those instances or even all those instances. We don't know. Was he ticketed? Was he not ticketed? Was he given warnings? Was he not given warnings? So he did say that, but the reality was he was pulled over seven times in one year. I know I've never been pulled over seven times in one year. Um, the vast majority of times I'm not pulled over at any time in any year. Maybe once every few years, once every five or so years, but pretty much every time I've been pulled over was because I did something wrong. I wasn't driving properly in some fashion. I forgot to signal. I was speeding. I was in a hurry. We all do these things, right? Um, so we don't really know about that, but Scott was joined by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who's a Republican from Kentucky, Senator Shelley Moore Capito. Who's a Republican in West Virginia? John Corn, who's a Republican from Texas. Lindsey Graham, who's a Republican from South Carolina. James Lankford, a Republican from Oklahoma, and Ben Sass, a Republican from Nebraska, to unveil the 106-page legislation. The package of reforms is called the Just and Unifying Solutions to Invigorate Communities Everywhere, or the Justice Act. I gotta admit, kind of a cool name for it. McConnell said he'll bring the legislation to a vote on the Senate floor. We're serious about making a law here, is what he said at the press conference on Capitol Hill. Now, he's going to bring it to the Senate floor, and they're going to vote on it. Chances are it will pass simply because, if nothing more, the Senate right now is held by Republicans. But they still need votes from across the aisle. They still need that 60%. So they still need to... um, to convince, which I'm not sure how you could convince, how you need to convince, a few Democrats from across the aisle to join in and vote with it. What I would love to see, and I think what a lot of other people would love to see here, is finally some bipartisanship with the new laws that we're making in this country. Instead of each side always fighting with each other and refusing to get along and refusing to to go back and forth and figure out a solution instead of going back and forth and just bickering like small school children, I think that would be great. I think it would start to heal the country, start to bring the country back to where it was prior to this incident with positive changes moving forward. So hopefully, hopefully this is the first step. Now, Democrats have already unveiled their, their police reform legislation on their side. That's called the Justice and Policing Act. The legislation would lower the bar for police officers to face criminal prosecution by allowing charges not just in cases where alleged misconduct was intentional, but also in cases of reckless misconduct. It would also ban chokeholds, create a national database on cops who committed misconduct, boost police training, and reform qualified immunity that can protect the cops from lawsuits from victims of police brutality. Now, I am totally for yanking back qualified immunity for cops that do something wrong. So if a cop does something wrong, if he he interacts with someone and what he does is criminal, he's brought up on criminal charges and convicted of those criminal acts, 
even if they're reduced charges, he should be held liable and he should be able to be sued. I completely agree with that because it helps cops understand that they can't just be oligarchs and they just can't be these cops that just run wild in the streets. And I'm not saying the vast majority of cops don't do that, but for those few, if you do something criminal, you are charged criminally as a police officer and you are convicted criminally, you should, like everyone else, be held liable. Now, qualified immunity should not count for police officers who do not do anything criminally wrong or who are not criminally convicted of a crime. And this goes back to what I've been saying for days on this show. Where are the body cams? Every single cop should be wearing a body cam. Every single police car should have a dash cam, front dash cam and a rear cam in it. If nothing more, if it's just to protect themselves. And if, you're, if a cop is telling you they don't want that, then that's the cop you need to look at. That's the one you need to try to figure out why they don't want to be filmed doing their job. What are they trying to hide? I agree with the, with the banning of chokeholds. I don't agree with chokeholds at all. Used in the wrong form, they're deadly. And that's been proven on multiple occasions. Create a national database for cops who commit misconduct. I am beyond supportive of this because what happens is you have police officers that get in trouble, but they strike deals with their, with their superiors that if they resign, their files will be clean. So then they can leave that police department and go to a neighboring police department or a police department in another state and get a job. I guess my question there is if during the, the, the interview process, does the superior officer who's going to hire this cop happen to call the other precinct and talk to uh, his previous boss to see if something's wrong? And if he does, is that boss straightforward? Is that superior straightforward with the interviewer to, and, and comes clean with any type of misconduct charge in, in the past? But I don't know how that works out. It seems to me that would be the rational way to do it because that's what happens during job interviews. But you have some of the police officers that have been on the streets, and they have 10, 15 complaints lodged against them, and they're still on the street. I, just, I find it hard to believe that all 10 or 15 people could be lying. Um, Representative Scott's bill, the one that Republicans passed, doesn't ban chokeholds outright. And doesn't end qualified immunity. Democrats have already pinned the legislation as not going far enough. And, you know, I do agree with Democrats on that. Um, I don't see anything wrong with these being put into the, the bill. Um, banning chokeholds, a national database, and removing qualified immunity for cops that break the law, are criminally charged, criminally prosecuted, and criminally convicted. They, too, should be held liable, and if you, as a police officer, want to make sure that doesn't happen to you, wear your body cams. Make sure your dash cam is on. Make sure that when you go to those calls, you act completely professional because you are walking around with a gun, and you have the ability to ruin people's lives. And if you have that ability, then you need to act like you do. The GOP legislation would beef up requirements for law enforcement to compile use of force reports under a new George Floyd and Walter Scott Notification Act, named for the Minnesota father whose May 25th death sparked a worldwide protest over police violence, and Scott, the South Carolina man shot by police after a traffic stop in 2015, of no relation to Senator Scott, by the way. It would also establish the Breonna Taylor Notification Act to track 
no-knock warrants. Such warrants used to be rare, but the 26-year-old was killed after police in Kentucky used a no-knock warrant to enter a Louisville home. Um, I don't agree with that. I think no-knock warrants are important in certain situations. When you have a house full of drug dealers who are armed to the T, who have bathtubs full of cocaine, do you really want to knock on their door and let them know you're there so they have enough time to grab their guns? And as soon as that officer or those officers kick that door open, they open up a hail of bullets. So I don't agree with getting rid of no-knock warrants. I think they should be used only in extreme circumstances, extreme, where it can be proven that there's a chance of loss of life beyond reasonable doubt, and no-knock warrant is not issued. So we're going to see how this plays out over the next few weeks. Obviously, this is going to be big stuff. Um, this is going to be something that is going to change the landscape of policing forever, and it's going to be something that we'll see if it begins to quell the violence and the rioting and the looting and the protesting. So I don't know because i got to be honest with you. I don't see the protesting right now, even though it's labeled a Black Lives Matter protest. I don't agree with the fact that it's about black lives because there's a hell of a lot of black lives that they're paying no attention to. Chicago, dead police officers who happen to be black, so on and so forth. Uh, black shop owners. I could go on and on with this. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about businesses that are shut down because of the Seattle protest and the zone. We'll see you shortly. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. Hey guys, welcome back to Telegraph Local's daily podcast, Unredacted, where we take facts and we talk about them. Facts from TelegraphLocal.com, factual articles from TelegraphLocal.com, and we talk about them on our podcast, Unredacted. So let's go into the next topic here. Um, Businesses have been shut down in the Seattle protest, and this should be obvious. This is not a, a street fest or street party, like um, the mayor in Seattle has claimed it was, and it is. It's not true. 
anyone who's been watching news clips can see very, very clearly that there is no damn street press street festival going on in the chop country of Seattle right now. There was uh, uh, some clip I watched yesterday uh, on YouTube, and it was a montage of people, some of the people, at least some, not all, but some of the people uh, in the country of chop. I can't help but laugh at well, I, I, I try to logically say the country of chop, which is no country, but I'm trying to be as respectful as I can to the, the citizens of the country of chop, or what was Chad or whatever. But anyway, it, this showed um, video of people who were obviously high as hell, or have no idea what type of drug, people who were pounding beers, um, people who were sitting on a sidewalk scratching vehemently on their legs and their arms. Um, people laid out in sleeping bags on the sidewalk. Many people laid out in sleeping bags on the sidewalk, um, and so on and so forth. The clips are on there. Just go to YouTube. But formal, former city council candidate Ari Hoffman said on Wednesday that the Seattle Capitol Hill organized protest zone is a, quote, sad state of affairs, unquote, and is far more dangerous at night. She goes on to say, a friend of mine told me yesterday who lives in the area, he says he never goes outside after 8 o'clock at night without a firearm. That's a sad state of affairs on how he has to live his day-to-day life. This guy who's, who is a resident of Seattle, lives in Seattle. I'm assuming he's lived in Seattle for at least a reasonable amount of time because he knows the area. He does not leave his house after 8 p.m., Unless he has a firearm. Think about that. How would you feel if you could? Would you let your kids walk outside at night? This is crazy. Would you walk your dog? Would you let your wife or girlfriend or husband or boyfriend walk alone at night to walk their dog past 8 o'clock? They're being held hostage in neighborhoods that they are the ones paying for. They're the ones paying taxes. They're the ones who have to mow their lawn. They're the ones who, after all this ends, have to clean the graffiti off of buildings and the trash up off the sidewalks. This reminds me of, you know, I still live in New York City, and several of the parks a couple years ago, um, the wonderful mayor decided he would make them areas to where drug users could go to parks and safely use drugs. Some of you who are familiar with New York City, live in New York, um, or close to New York, may remember this. And those parks went from nice and clean and orderly to where kids were playing, dogs were running around, wildlife, squirrels and rabbits and all kinds of stuff were there. Um, girls and guys alike were laying out on blankets, reading their tablets or reading a book. Just a normal, comfortable, fun day for people. People were laughing and giggling. Playgrounds were full. You know, it was nice to go to the park and just kind of hang out and sit there. And you could watch all this, take it all in. You could have the quietness. You could have the peacefulness. And then after this... I went to a New York City park, and there were syringes. They put, they put boxes up, boxes up on poles, sharps boxes, so junkies could put their needles in those sharps boxes. So what's that, obviously, what's that going to do? That's going to bring unwanted elements into city parks to where families go, little children go, who roll around and play on the ground. 
And I noticed within a couple days, actually, that they weren't even using the sharps containers. They, they were, there were dirty syringes piled up all over, scattered throughout the grass, all around the park. Some near the, the these, uh, these bins, these sharps bins, but most of them not. So this, this reminds me a lot of that. You know, we have a situation to where citizens in Seattle can't even enjoy what they rightfully deserve to enjoy because they pay for it. Do you think any of these CHOP protesters have jobs? Do you think they're paying taxes? If they had jobs, they'd be at work. If they were making money, they'd pay taxes. If they had money, they wouldn't be putting up paper signs asking for donations of Gatorade and cigarettes and dog food. These people at pets, they can't even feed their own dogs. They have to rely on the donations of others to feed their dogs, yet they think they know what's best for this country. And that should scare the shit out of you. Hoffman goes on to say that businesses in the CHOP, in the, the free country of CHOP, and the CHOP area have been closed even after trying to open up or rebound from the government-mandated economic shutdown. Quote, now they can't reopen because they can't get trucks in. They can't get cars in. They can't guarantee the safety of their employees. Trader Joe's nearby said that they can't guarantee the safety of their employees, and they closed indefinitely, unquote, Hoffman said. Now, this is someone who's there in Seattle. This isn't you or me in another state, another city, another town. This is from someone who is there, not just someone who is there, but a formal, former city council candidate is saying these things. Hoffman reacted to the city of Seattle and CHOP, the free country of CHOP protesters, who finally reached an agreement that they're going to remove temporary, temporary roadblocks, but then replace them with concrete barriers. So now you're taking the temporary blocks away Right, the temporary barriers, which are like orange plastic stuff, yellow plastic stuff, you know what those are. They usually fill them with water, and they're on the side of roads and things like that. And they're replacing them with concrete barriers, so they're making this permanent. So what do you tell the business owners inside the three freaking blocks? Or six blocks, or whatever it is now. I think they said that they were reducing, they were reducing from six blocks to three blocks. But regardless, what do you tell the business owners inside of those areas? Oh, you're just shit out of luck? You can't run your business because the police department can't do its job? Because your elected official is an asshole? Where, I, I, I don't, where is the outrage over this? Where is the anger and frustration? Why aren't these business owners doing something about this? There were even reports of people coming into the businesses and strong-arming them for money. The sick. If any business owner in Seattle who's in this area is out there listening, shoot me an email immediately. We want to talk to you. The Seattle Department of Transportation is installing concrete barriers in the middle of Pine Street running east and west, which will split the road for both pedestrians and vehicle traffic. This will allow for emergency service vehicles to pass through the area. So you allow for emergency – I mean, what are they going to be responding to? Because 
they were saying on the news earlier today that the only way police would enter the free country of CHOP if there was an emergency, so what's considered an emergency? I guess an emergency is not considered a auto parts store owner almost getting his place burnt down and getting robbed. That's not the emergency because you sure as hell didn't respond to that. Hoffman responded to critics who have pointed out that he does not live in the area of the city and accused him of overstating the danger. He said he has been to the CHOP zone, the free city of CHOP zone, multiple times and interviewed the supposed warlord of the area who was seen on video giving AR-15s to people. AR-15, which, by the way, are also called assault rifles. The Democrats have been trying to get AR-15s banned for years because they are considered assault rifles. Yet now they are allowing the armed takeover of six city blocks, which are ruining businesses and the economy and people's lives, and allowing them to defend that with AR-15s, assault rifles, that the Democrats have been trying to ban for years. The irony is just you can cut it with a knife. Now, I take that back. You need a sledgehammer to break up the irony in this. They say it is such a free and open place, and we can come and go as we please. I am availing myself of that privilege, and I have gone down there and seen it for myself, as anybody else can do. I just I don't know what more can be said to that. But anyway, we'll take a quick commercial break. We will be right back. We're going to talk about um, the Seattle Chop organizers who claim they are not there to peacefully protest. However, the news has been saying they have. Guys, please sit tight. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, Hi guys, welcome back to the last 15 of our show. Uh, Seattle Chop Organizer are saying they are not here to protest, although several news outlets, I won't mention them by name, have sworn, sworn that the Chop, the free country of Chop, the protest inside of the free country of Chop, 
is there for nothing more than peaceful protest. So documentary filmmaker Amy Horowitz went to Seattle's Capitol Hill organized protest area recently and shared footage of his reaction with Jaden Grayson and other leaders of the movement. Every day that I show up here, I am not here to peacefully protest. This was a quote given by Jaden Grayson. It goes on. It gets worse. He goes on to say, I am here to disrupt until my demands are met. You cannot rebuild until you break it all the way down. Okay, this is verbatim from one of CHOP's so-called peaceful protesters and organizers. The CHOP group has blocked off six city blocks in downtown Seattle where the East Precinct is located as an act of protest for the police-involved death of George Floyd on May 25th. Okay, this is no longer, by the way, in case anyone hasn't realized this, this really isn't about the police-involved death because their, their demands are extremely over-the-top and nothing anywhere close to just dealing with police reform. That might be a platform of how it got started, but that's no longer the reality of the protest movement. We talked about those demands a couple of days ago on the show. Please go back and listen to that. Um, these have very little to do with police officers. Grayson then said that they will not stop until their, man, their demands are met, quote, by any means necessary, unquote. It's not a slogan. It's not even a warning, Grayson says. I'm letting people know what comes next. If the Seattle Police Department turns in their badges, we'll have made a move forward. The group has published a list of demands for the city council and mayor, including abolishing police, prisons, courts, and criminal justice systems as we know it today. So for any of you who have been fooled about thinking that this is A, totally about police reform, you're wrong. Reread and relook at the facts. For any of you who think that this was only going to last a few days, check that out. It's not going to. <clears throat> this is going to be a very lengthy onslaught, and hopefully it does not spread to other communities like it's already tried to do. I don't know what to really say. I don't know where we're going to be next week. Uh, I have no idea, but I know that we will be here reporting it for you. That is the end of today's show, guys. Please, everyone, have a wonderful hunt day. Go out to the parks if you don't live in Seattle. Enjoy them if they are open. Enjoy the sunlight. It's beautiful almost everywhere in the country. Well, weather-wise anyway. And we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, guys. Be safe. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.